When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello and welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. Fantastic. Right? You're really great today. Aren't oh you? Yes, yes, I am. We are very very freaking excited to have a very special guest lecturer in the uh, Fright School halls. Well, today it's the uh, West Craven Memorial Mobile Studio. Mobile. Yes, we're the bookmobile. <laughs> we're the West Craven Memorial Bookmobile. <laughs> but we are we are really honored to have today with us uh, the incredible uh, horror director. Ah, exciting. Chelsea Stardust, welcome. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. I am so excited to be here. Uh, <laughs> or have you here, I should say. I guess. We are in your incredible house. This is so cool. It's like, there's so much to look at. You're not going to get us out of here. I'm just going to have to <laughs> like okay. wander around. And Joshua everything. is moving in. <laughs> I will fine. drop him. I didn't bring tomorrow. a big enough bed. No, we can bunk beds. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is really incredible, y'all. Uh, dear listeners. You I made the you mistake of inviting a vampire in. So. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, so. I knew. I figured. <laughs> Always welcome here. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are very excited that we're we're going to skip our usual uh, fright school formalities, and we're just going to jump right in with chatting with you, who uh, Miss Miss Chelsea. <laughs> uh, it's like you. It's like a fairy tale. Your journey through, you know, uh, to where you are. I, I feel like because reading your, you grew up in Ohio. Yes. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati. Do you want to say what part of Ohio? Yeah, Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, like east of Cleveland, but very rural, like middle of nowhere. I was an hour from Cleveland, oh, wow. uh, like Amish country. I am not farmland. Amish, but grew up in Amish country, <laughs> like total farmland, like 20 minutes to the nearest town, like Ugh. very middle of nowhere, like total country mouse moves to the city. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that'd been quite a story. Like I was Amish and now I'm a horror director. Uh, <laughs> I saw so much. Right. <laughs> they kept telling me there was so many horrors, and now I make it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, but so you okay? So just tell us a little bit about that. How did you uh, how did you escape Ohio as we as we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did I get how did I get out? Um, so I've just I've always wanted to make movies. Well, I've always loved horror from as far back as I can remember. It basically comes from like literature. Um, because I was trying to trace back, because I would always say, oh, I watched Universal Monster movies Mm -hmm. and House on Haunted Hill and those classics my dad showed me when I was younger. But then I realized, I was like, actually, it goes back further than that with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark (sighs) and Goosebumps and Banicula, which not everyone knows. Yes, Banicula. (laughs) I actually knew that one. Yeah, Yeah, Celery Stalks at Midnight. Like, I was (laughs) obsessed with those books. Yeah. And um, so that's sort of how it started. And then I was making movies when I was little and my my dad had a video camera so I put on plays with my pets I grew up with a lot of animals and so um 
I just was fascinated with, and I loved theater as well, but filmmaking was something I loved, and both my parents are cinephiles, and I was like, this is, I want to direct, and I was, you know, an only child, so I was a little bit bossy, and (laughs) so I was like, of course, I end up being a director, Um, but uh, I just, I wanted to go to film school, which I did, and uh, I went to Ohio University, and, you know, small school in middle of Ohio, and then uh, I just, I made the move out to LA. I had an internship out here before I finished my senior year. And I worked for Heyday Films to make the Harry Potter movies. And that was cool. an incredible experience. Because at first I wanted to go to New York because we had spent a lot of time in New York. Um, since my parents are artists, they were always mm-hmm. checking out art shows and they had a lot of friends there. And then I was like, oh wait, California doesn't, you, you you have snow by choice <laughs> here, <laughs> so true. it's like you can you can surf one day and and you can surf in the morning and ski at night or vice versa. So yeah. I I was like you know the the this is after interning here I was so starstruck and I was interning on the Warner Brothers lot and the heyday offices if I remember correctly I think they maybe have moved around on the lot since then but like Clint Eastwood's office was next door and. Um, Christopher Nolan, I remember seeing him and Jonah Nolan and David Goyer shared an office. And this was when Batman was just being written, like the, the Batman Begins. So it was very, and being on the WB lot, there's so much history there. It was very romantic. And I loved it. And I was like, this is where I want to be. Like, this is where stuff is happening. And, uh, so I went back, finished my senior year. And one of my old bosses just happened to call me like right after graduation. And she's like, Hey, I've moved companies, but my assistant's leaving. Are you still planning on moving out to LA? And I was going to take, you know, a couple months off, hang out with my parents, relax. And I was like, I'll be there. I'll I'll be there in five days. So I packed up my life (laughs) and uh, bought a car and moved out to LA. And I just celebrated, I think my 11th year here. Oh my gosh. Just in July. That's amazing. Just happened. And you've so, been in, in, in the Los Angeles area the whole yep, time. The oh, whole that's time. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> and I've lived all over LA, but now I'm I'm settled in the valley and very content within the horror community that exists here. And yeah, so then that was it and just started working nonstop. And yeah, it's been a crazy journey. I guess I, I don't always like think about it's it's hard to leave home. Yeah. It's hard to, you know, uh, uh, especially move across country. And it was really hard, but I never in my mind, gave myself an alternative. I was like, this is what I want to do. I just want to direct movies. Uh, I'm not going to give myself a plan B and just fucking hope it works out. Um, (laughs) And uh, it took a long time. It was like, it's a rough road to glory, as I say. But, um, you know, it took 10 years of being an assistant, basically, before I got the opportunity to finally direct a feature. And I'd been directing short films and stuff. and um, But it just took a really long time to get there. And then I finally was like, I'm ready. And it was just, oh, the stars aligned. It was the right piece of material, the right company. And I was able to do it. So, Yeah, I think that's such an amazing thing. Because, you know, I've read some of the other interviews you've had where you've talked about making that transition. Um, you know, we're living in such interesting times for women, <laughs> as all times for women have yeah. been. <laughs> Not to have that, like, we're in director conversation. <laughs> but, you know, I, th- I thought that was very enlightening to talk about, like, yeah, when you're kind of in an assistant role and the men around you probably just it's hard for them to break from that, but it sounds like you didn't have that experience, like that you were pretty well supported by the people you were working with. Maybe not just the men, but I don't, it was one of the interviews I read yeah. where you talked about having Jason Blum support like yeah. as his assistant, like I want to be a movie director, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I sort of felt 
there was a time when I was an assistant that I wasn't sort of taken seriously as a filmmaker because yeah. I was the only assistant that wanted to make movies. Some of the mm-hmm. other ones were sort of like weren't sure what they wanted to do, which is, which is totally fine. Um, but when I worked for Jason, he was so – and I, he knew from the start, like, I want to direct. That's what I want to do. I don't want to be an executive. I'm not angling to get a creative exec position here or director development. I want to direct. So he understood that from the start and was so supportive. And then he said, you know, go work for Crypt TV. You know, you know, start directing stuff. Because a lot of the stuff I had was from college. I was like, this stuff's really fucking weird and not for everybody. And (laughs) (laughs) I need to start doing something current and recent. And... But then it just, it was, I feel like I was doing all these short films and still assisting people because you can't survive on a short film budget <laughs> as, you know, to pay rent. Um, and, you know, while I was doing these shorts and assisting, you know, TV directors, commercial directors, um, I ins- assisted Adam Robitel on Insidious 4. Uh, I was still very much part of Blumhouse. And just the right kind of, I was sending scripts to Ryan Turek because <laughs> he, he started right when I was leaving. And I was like, anything, anything here to look good to you guys? And then finally, all that we destroy, he, he got that, you know, across his desk. He's like, this is the one we want to make with you. And it just came full circle. But also to have a, and I've talked about this um, before, but to have your your boss that you've worked for as an assistant see you as something other than that is so difficult. And especially to see you as a director. Yeah. I'm um, a lot of people don't get that opportunity, especially assistants. And assistants sort of run Hollywood, I feel like, and don't get the credit <laughs> that they should. Yeah. But... To fully transition and to not be seen as that anymore is really hard. And and a lot of times people will go do it, but not with the company they worked for. And for that to actually happen and Jason to really like, and his company to champion me was uh, I, pretty magical. Because <laughs> no, that, that doesn't is. always happen. Yeah. So um, it just showed that they really believed in me and that that was important to me. Yeah. No, that's uh, reading it. Uh, it, it gave me goosebumps. It's, it's like, it's so cool, you know, to... You know, like I said, it's like a fairy tale in a way because, you know, I grew up in Ohio and you dream big and you go out and it's so cool to see, you know. Yeah. Like it, it happened for, it took a while, like, you know, the oh, yeah. do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're living like, you know, I was paycheck to paycheck. And in LA, it's so hard to yeah. survive out here. It's yeah. so expensive. And like barely scraping by and barely making your rent and having no savings. And it's just such a struggle. And I remember like crying to my parents and my, my parents having like a, even though they're artists, having a hard time understanding like the freelance life. Yeah. And that there's like, that's why whenever I decided not to be an assistant anymore, it was like very scary. It's like, well, how are you going to survive? And, um, and you're just, you're basically taking a chance on yourself and like, I fucking hope it works out. Yeah, <laughs> and then, absolutely. And then you get lucky and it, and you know, sometimes it does. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. You can't get any yeses if you don't ask for the no's, yeah. you know, no. so. And you get lucky, but you also have like, you have like talent to back that up. Like you have just like this, you have the, you have to have that confidence in your skill and your craft and your ability to have that. Cause I, I've had this conversation a little bit with Joshua before, but it's like, sometimes I feel like there are days where it's like, if I, if I could, if I could uh, remain comfortable, what would I be doing if I wasn't doing my normal job? Right. And I was like, Oh, I would be doing this, but it's like a creative position. And I know like, you know, I'm very much a Taurus where I just love, like, (laughs) I love being warm and well-fed. So it's just like, uh, do I want to like suffer for my art? Um, or do I want to just like keep doing this job and like, you know, have it slowly chip away at my soul. Yes. And then it's like, you know, okay where you you make the compromises you make but you know it what's inspiring and i hate that i hate that word when you're when you're talking about other people who but like what's inspiring is is <laughs> is the idea that like you you are taking that chance but you also are like 
confident that like your voice is there and you're Mm -hmm. confident that your point of view and the things that you have to say especially within this like particular genre are going to are going to pull through and it's there's such a moment right now Mm -hmm. um especially for you know we were talking a little bit before we started about how horror is about um empathizing with the other and like seeing yourself as the other and and having that connection and there's such a moment right now where we're experiencing that like we talk a lot about it in terms of a queer context and then you know that is intersectionally related to like women and feminism so yeah this is the moment this is your moment (laughs) (laughs) uh and i am uh here with open arms to embrace it yes hey yeah yeah take it take everything yeah here to welcome that (laughs) uh so yeah to kind of uh expand a little bit then on that conversation that we were having before um you were talking about uh, the other and the monsters and mm-hmm. being bullied and such. So, um, well, I guess let's take it back a little step farther. Like what, um, so we usually ask these questions about horror in general. So do you remember what the first horror film you ever saw was? Um, I know now that you've seen Well, you know what? <laughs> Honestly, it comes, it, 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 for me, I think it's, uh, animated things. It was uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It was The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It was the the trick or treat cartoon with Donald Duck and his nephews. It's you know the Pluto goes to hell with the cats. Like like I think that it started in sort of animated form because I remember seeing those when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And then you know I was always, I was older seeing the Goosebumps show yeah. and sort of going from there. Um, and also I didn't have any sort of cable growing up, so I could only watch what was on the local stations mm-hmm. and, um, you know, watching like a Halloween, I remember like carving pumpkins and watching Big Chuck and Little John, which is sort of like a, what a vampire or Goulardi sort of thing is like late night, you know, they host the movies and, uh, horror hosts and doing these marathons and that's like brain that wouldn't die. And, um, but the one that sticks out the most is probably like, uh, T- Todd Browning's Dracula. With Bella Lugosi, like that, I have a very early memory watching with my dad, and then also then he would show me Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and Creature, and so the Universal monster movies are what uh, I sort of started with. Um, and then in terms of something that really scared me uh, would be Night of the Living Dead because he showed me that when I was ten. Oh, and uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, kind of rough because it's bleak. That is not a yes. fun movie. That's also like <laughs> yeah. hard when you're like living in a rural area because oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the, the farmhouse that she like the cemetery and it's filmed in Pennsylvania, which is like right next door. Yeah, and so you know, looking at those roads, I was, and and from the um, I, I wrote a chapter. Spoiler alert! I wrote a chapter in the next um, my favorite horror movie book. That's all about my experience with Night of the Living Dead. So I talk about this a little little bit. Um, But the moment the movie started, hearing that score, the music that that George Romero puts in there, and and then watching this car, like, come up. And I was like, this literally looks like where I live. And and getting stuck in the farmhouse, which looks like the neighbor's farmhouse. (laughs) And... um, and my parents sort of, I was never really scared of cemeteries or anything like that. But then I saw that movie and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Um, They're coming to get you, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just totally like gobsmacked from it. Like I, I was like, this is amazing. And all I want to do is seek out these films. Like I want to see more. It was like very much like a drug. And so then, you know, my dad started showing me Alien and um, Carrie and The Exorcist. And it just went on from there um, as I got older so your father 
You yeah. know, we talk a lot about on the show horror as heirloom. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, it's all, that somebody bequeaths it to you in some way. Yes. So for you, it was your dad. It was my dad. And, and both my parents are very much into Halloween. And I've recently um, had a conversation with them back uh, in Ohio, and I, I recorded it, and I asked them about their relationship with horror. And I wanted to know, you know, how they felt about it. And because it's something we just never talked about. And their relationship with Halloween, because that's sort of, it's what you, like, growing up with Halloween sort of reflects that. And um, both of them love Halloween. And, you know, we'd have Halloween parties every year, and they'd make their costumes, and we'd be watching, have movies on all the time. And and so I grew up with it. And uh, they, you know, love Move all movies, but horror is definitely something my dad was always telling me about. And he's like, you need to see this one. And my mom had ones she loved as well. Um, and uh, in the cartoon, you know, we'd you know sing the song from the, the animated Trick or Treat to each other and, you know, when Halloween was coming. <laughs> and um, it was very much like that to me. Halloween is like, is family to me. That's like what I always think of. Um, and yeah, horror was just, once I had a taste of it, I was like, I want it all the time. And I remember like going to the movie store, or the, vid- the video VHS rental store <laughs> and just seeing all these titles and like picking up each box and turning it over and looking at it and putting it back. And I was just obsessed and figuring out what the movie is in your mind. And, um, and then it wasn't until later in high school where then I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that one had a huge impact on me. Like my film professor, I took a continuing education course in high school and we shot super eight films Oh, and my wow. professor at the time, um, when the class was over, he's like, I know you love horror. You talk about it all the time. But these are the ones you need to see. And he handed me this dubbed VHS stack, like just with the titles scrawled on them. <laughs> and it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Martin, The Hills Have Eyes, and God Told Me To. And he's like, here you go. And also, those are all like very sort of odd ones, like ones you wouldn't normally think of as like, here's where your education starts. And then I was like, Yes, I need to. I want to see everything. And then, as I was older and able to like actually run things from the store myself and not need a parent to like sign off for you, uh, I would watch everything I could get my hands on. And uh, I was just I thought this genre is amazing. And then, of course, there were so many things I related to. Like, in, I remember watching Carrie. Um, I probably watched that. I think I watched that maybe freshman year of high school. Yeah, had to have been freshman year. Yeah, and I was like. I would fucking kill to have her powers. <laughs> yes. Because I was I was so, I was tortured a lot in high school. And I've since had high school reunions where I bring this up to some people. They're like, really? I was like, oh, how, how quickly you forget. I yeah. said, but yeah, it was, I was super skinny and I dressed really differently. I had like, you know, plaid skirts and knee high black boots and shirts with safety pins all over them. And um, I had horror T-shirts, and I shopped a, at a, a Hot Topic a lot. <laughs> I had vinyl pants that I would wear and all this stuff, and everyone just thought I was the weirdest kid. I was also the daughter of the art teacher. My mom was the art teacher in my high school, so that was another thing. But people would they'd be like, oh, it's too bad you're not pretty like your mom is, and people were just <gasps> like, yeah, and they're like, you must be anorexic because you're so skinny, and it was awful. I got pushed into lockers. I got gum put in my hair. It was, like, really rough. Yeah. So when I saw Carrie... <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was like the most amazing thing. And of course, like then seeing it older and reading the book, there's like there's so much to that to that story. But yeah. um, I was like, man, this would be uh, 
I would love a, just a, can you give me a little bit of, of that, those powers just a little bit yeah like just 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 to everyone bit. trip and fall like yeah, you know we don't we don't need to electrocute them and nope, burn the gym nope. down but just trip just and fall just a little hair like little yeah. things here and there yeah. and their Wi-Fi maybe doesn't work as fast yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's just and then identify you know and then watching watching um, creature from the Black Lagoon and, and sympathizing with a creature or Frankenstein yeah. and it's and you know, I, I just identified so much. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I can relate to, to this. And uh, so that's, so it just, it really spoke to me. And even, and seeing so many um, strong, incredible female characters, all female characters, I think, are strong. But to see these uh, incredible women and how they were portrayed in these horror movies, kicking ass and being the quote-unquote final girl, um, and some of the movies that I was being shown, which were directed by Mary Lambert and Mary Heron and Catherine Bigelow. And I, this is sort of, the, you don't realize the realities until later, but I, I never thought, oh, I can't do this. Like, like it never went into, I never thought about, oh, women don't direct movies because of what my parents showed me. And my dad showed me Maya Darren films and um, Agnes Varda. And so I was, I was seeing a lot of movies directed by women, but it wasn't until I was like maybe in college where I realized that I was like, Oh, maybe that's not as common. And then coming out here and seeing like, okay, well what's happening now when I moved out here, there were just not as many, um, that I really sort of recognized that. Um, and just not getting the opportunities like that. That's what there, there were. I knew a lot, but but they just weren't getting the chance that yeah. all these other directors were getting. Or, you know, a woman would get in director jail forever, whereas a man would be able to um, get an, a job right away, like even if he made a, a bad move. Not, not yeah. everybody. There are some exceptions yeah. Yeah, that weren't course. able to get out of that um, yeah. that rut. But uh, I felt like I never felt like, oh, this isn't something I can do or women don't do this. And I would pay attention to the credits. I'd look at costume designers and I'd look at writers and I look, and it was really – fascinating to see people who would sort of collect their crew members like Tim Burton you see the same yeah. you see you know Danny Elfman you see Colleen Atwood you yeah. see this you know Denise Denovi so you so that was I was like oh what if what if one day I have like my crew of people I can work with and um but Put I felt little dreamers together yeah yeah totally <laughs> um but anyways it, it I didn't really realize the harsh realities until I was a little older but I was very thankful that my parents sort of showed me that, yeah, you can do this, you know, if you want to do it. Well, and I like, it's funny too, because the women you mentioned, uh, Mary Heron directed American Psycho, iconic. Yeah. Uh, Mary Lambert, Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. iconic. Also side note, because it's like always six degrees of Madonna with me. She directed Madonna's Like a Prayer yes, video, like which is prayer. iconic, yes. along with like four others, uh, I- all iconic videos, uh, or mo- uh, yeah, videos, music mm-hmm. videos. Um, you also mentioned, I-, I read an article where you talked about Karen Kusama, oh, who yes. did, we've done on the show, Jennifer's Body, and yep. also the XX, which has mm-hmm. her um, her segment's called Her Only Living Son, which shares themes with yep. All That We Destroy, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, yes. And then, who else? Uh, obviously, America Mary, the Soska sisters. Yes, and, the um, I, They're sweethearts. We, we, oh, yeah, we, we met, met them, them uh, uh, in March, and they are just like, they were so sweet. So sweet. I was just and like, tiny. And, and <laughs> protected by enormous bodyguards. Yeah, like enormous bodyguards. And we're like, why, it's like, why is this guy standing next to us? And then I looked, and I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> he was so big. He was like pushing into our booth. I was like, Joe, there's a guy. And he's like, who is this <laughs> a guy? And it's like, guy that's over here. Because like, like, I look back, I'm like, why are you, why are you all like, why do you all have like these weird shit eating grades on your face? I'm like, oh, oh, that's what, oh. Yeah, our whole group yeah. were all like, 
because we we had also just done their we had done American Mary on the show like mm-hmm. not three yeah. weeks before that. Yeah. Oh and I and I told them I was like I just saw American Mary and they were like oh great oh. yeah they yeah. were very very sweet. very I can't sweet. wait for Rabbit I'm so excited to see yeah that. yeah oh, I know so excited for them like it's taken yeah. them. You know, it's been again. It's it's difficult. And right. stuff comes together and yeah. falls apart all the time. And I was so yeah. happy to see them get that. And we're um, we're always championing each other on social media. Yeah. So. Well, and they've had a really rough go of it yeah. with Twitter. Oh, like, hashtag like, free horrible. the Soskas, right? Yeah. 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 What is happening? It's rid- yeah. yeah. It's like oh, they will get blocked, but then all this other bullshit out there is like, give me a break. Also, am I allowed to swear? I oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We Sorry. don't give a fuck. It's okay, fine. Good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, and that just speaks to like our. We just have such a terrible relationship with death, with horror, with you know the macabre. You know, it's like there's lots of people on there with their titties and everything else. Mm-hmm. I was scrolling through Twitter and like a guy's jacking off. I'm like. What the hell? Like, what, what is this? How, how does this, this sneak through? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But some fake blood and gore. It's like, oh, it's too much. And like on Instagram, you know, there's like a they're waging a war against mm-hmm. us. I don't know if you've seen the hashtag horror. If you click on it, it's like, do you need help? <laughs> are, are you consider? You know, thoughts. It's like here's some it's like, yes, resources. I need I need seven features funded. That's the help that I need. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yes. Yeah. Screw you. You know. Exactly. Especially yeah. because in the horror community and and what we've discovered and kind of coming into this is it's so inclusive and like people really I, I, I feel are very supportive of each other or do their best yes. I mean of course there's always terrible people any, anywhere you go but for the majority everybody we meet are always so cool and kind and willing to help and you're like yeah why are you demonizing think, the, our community? <laughs> yeah, I think it's that's the thing is I love that horror is inclusive instead of exclusive I think it's mm-hmm. really important um, and yeah it, I think it's because a lot of not not to say that you know everyone's dealing with something but mm-hmm. I think it's because in horror, you're exercising your demons. Yeah. Whereas, like, in some genres, um, people, like, especially in comedy, I feel like they got to hold on to that because they're using that every day when they're doing stand-up, when they're writing, whatever, so they yeah. carry it with them. Whereas in horror, we're, put, we're, take, we're pulling it out and putting it on the screen and just, like, getting it out, exercising the demon. And I think that's sort of <laughs> why everyone's so nice and also super supportive. Um and it is a lot of um, keeping up with that is a lot. Like I'm super active in the horror community, but I have a horror book club, um, <laughs> Losers Book Club, uh, awesome. which I, I love it. <laughs> absolutely love. But being a part of it, it's really special. But it's it's you know a lot of people making movies. It's trying to go to their screenings, support it. You know, especially on social media, and anytime I go to a meeting, I end up like recommending like five other people that they should meet with. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, if not me, here's some other choices. <laughs> well, I've also been like, any you know, meetings. I've been taking a lot of meetings now that since you know, all that we destroy is out, and the next movie, Satanic Panic, is about to come out. But anytime I go in, I always ask. I was like, how many women are you working with? How many people of color? How many LGBTQ? Like, what? What? You know. Yeah. And a lot of, sometimes they don't have an answer. No, yeah. Sometimes I, like, oh, well, we're working on some, I'm, no, no, I'm like, no, no, right now. Like, how many are employed <laughs> right now or writing something for you, like, are on your payroll? And, because everyone likes to talk about it, but in terms of actually doing yeah. it. Um, and, you know, I feel like it is, it's getting better. Like, every day, like, I look at deadline, I'm like, oh, that's great. Or, you you know, I'm seeing something getting announced. Because, again, Hollywood's weird where it's like, no one wants to talk about it until it's like pen and ink, like, contract signed, which I get. Yeah. But like it's seeing the news about Black Christmas and the craft, and I was like, okay, great. We're like, we're getting there. It's every day. It's getting better, and it's and it's changing. And um, I just feel like everyone needs to do better and needs to be conscious of it and paying attention to it. Um, and then hopefully we'll get a balance, so it won't 
it won't be female directors, just all the directors together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the dream, but we still have some work to do. Um, but I'm just, I'm very lucky to be part of that horror community and be supporting everyone. And, and also, how lucky are we that we have, like, conventions everywhere? Oh, and yes, we have, like, all the time, every yeah. week. <laughs> we can't get to them. Yeah. And there's film festivals, and there's Monster Palooza and Son of Palooza. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, fuck, like, how cool is that? to be a part of that. And all my Christmas shopping is done through all these like vendors I know and being yeah. a part of that. And yeah. that there's podcast, all these podcasts that, that there exist. are horror artisans, that there are people yeah. who like, yeah. this is the only thing that they do. Um, I, when I was at Comic-Con uh, last week, I was talking with Sam. Um, hi, 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 Sam. Sam Weinman. You've been hey, back in July. <laughs> since, mean, oh yes, that's September. right. It's September right now. <laughs> the illusion. We've yes. we yes. reinstated yes. the illusion. <laughs> um, uh, back in July at San Diego Comic Con, uh, hey girl, um, we're talking uh, talking with Sam, and it's like you know we're it's really one of those things where it's like if you're getting into the rooms, you're like trying to lift as you climb, right? You're like yes. lifting, you're picking people up, and you're lifting them, and and it's it's and that's kind of how this one of the things that draws me to this community as well um, is the fact that like everyone the genre is so based in like empathizing with the other mm-hmm. that we all know what it's like to be the other. Now when you're in a room, it's like oh, it's it's not just me. It's all these people who feel the same way, and and it's so yeah. fascinating to like be at conventions with people, and it's like oh yeah, remember when this film came out and how you felt, and like I thought I was the only one that was like sneaking out to go watch it or you know doing this and the other. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like wow, there's just or seeing my identity in it, you know, or seeing my identity context. in it, and then and, yeah. and like empathizing with empathizing yeah empathizing with it in a way that um in a way that is like so real and really speaks to people and you know and now we're getting to a point where we're really starting to get that good representation and not just like picking at crumbs and like picking Mm -hmm. at scraps or just trying to read as much into it um i always go back to what kumail nanjiani said at the oscars like two years ago Mm -hmm. where he was just like you know i've had to empathize i've had to like relate to white men in my entire life and it's like you know what now they can do it with for they can do it for me because i've had to do it my entire life and And that it's possible and that's possible you know that 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 is something that can happen you know, yeah. like this, it's in this insane idea that we're all people and we, no yeah. matter, no matter what we can identify with our suffering or with our joy, you know, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also think it's fascinating that, and this is something that I have to keep my attitude <laughs> and check about, <laughs> but I get frustrated when I encounter people who are like, oh, you make horror movies. Like oh, I can't, I can't watch horror movies. <laughs> I was like, okay, so you can watch Chernobyl. But right. you yeah. can't watch. Oh, I mean, that is a fucking a horror movie. Like yeah, absolutely. that is like you, so that you actually can, happened. <laughs> yeah, like you can watch that, or you can go watch John Wick, which is like I love the John Wick movies, but are incredibly hyper violent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you can watch that, but you're gonna give horror shit. And then so then I always ask, oh oh, see so, so you haven't seen The Exorcist? Oh no, I like The Exorcist. Oh, you haven't seen Jaws? Oh no, I like Jaws. It's like Alien. Oh yeah, I like. It. Mm, okay, I see. I see what's happening. <laughs> uh. here. But also, I was like, do you understand like the. And I, and I got to keep it because I get very heated when I have these conversations. But I'm like, do you understand the stories you're missing? Because I think right. everyone gets hung up. Oh, I don't like the gore. I'm like, do you know that's like such a small percentage of the horror that's out there? And I, It's loud, but it's small. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that's what people sort of get caught up in. And I was like, you are missing such incredible filmmaking mm-hmm. and storytelling and things that talk about, that talk about politics. Like, there's intellectual conversations and the political conversations, um, think, making commentary on society. It was like, you are missing so many, like horror has so much to say 
and you're just going to write it off. And yeah. I think that, that that drives me insane. I think that's so close-minded. And it's something I feel, obviously, very passionately about. <laughs> are these people who are like, you know, oh, I love thrillers. Oh, don't even, don't get up. There's not enough time to even well, get up. Because like, I'm just like, it's like, well, isn't Silence of the Lambs a thriller? I'm like, no, he fucking eats people. And he wears, and the other guy wears a skin. Like, that's yeah. horror. Here's what I would say to that. When I went to the, the, the library, when I was little, there was no sticker that said thriller. Right, yeah. It, there was fantasy. There was horror, there's comedy, there's drama, there's Western. There was no thriller sticker that I saw. Yeah. There was the green horror sticker. And so I was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. And also, and this is an argument that can go back and forth, but I see thriller, like I think horror is the umbrella and thriller is like a subgenre of it. Like suspense and things like that. Suspense, exactly. Like suspense is one. And then, you know, um, because, you know, zombies are a subject. Then it goes down from there. But yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, I'll watch a thriller. I was like, guys, thrill- also thriller to me sometimes just means PG-13. So- yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a way to dress up a yeah. horror film without, you know, because it's, it's like, going to appeal to that yeah. same audience. Yeah. You remember the Page Master? It was fantasy, it was uh, adventure, <laughs> yep. and it was horror. And those were the three. Yep. Uh, <laughs> page Master. Yes. Awesome. Love what a page callback. Page Master. <laughs> love um, <Gosh. laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to bring it up. No, um, that's amazing. I, 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 have a, I have the same conversation. So, you know, I talked to my parents. They they all they know is that I have a podcast. They have no idea what that means. They just know that it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day, one day they're gonna listen and be like, "Oh my god, our son's gay." <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, they know. Oh uh, <laughs> they know. They know for sure. Um, but like, I they always have heads. they have heads. They have ears, and they, they experience the sensory world. Um, I. Oh, I, I always go back and forth with her because, like, my mom is a retired forensic scientist, and oh, she she loves Patricia Cornwell books. Oh, well, God, we were just talking about Patricia Cornwell oh, today at book oh, club. Mm, we'll talk about <laughs> it. So she loves Patricia Cornwell books, and she watches a lot of, like, you know, she watches a lot of these police, police procedurals or, like, these kind of, like, military government procedurals. Mm-hmm. And I just ask her, I'm like, so you don't want to watch it, because, but you watch, like, Law and Order SVU, which is like super rooted in reality, where it's like a serial rapist that's yeah. like killing women, but you know, a clown that bites off a child's arm in the first fifteen minutes is like, it, and and she's like, I just don't want to be by myself. I'm like, Mom, you're like watching like true crime stuff. <laughs> yeah, people like breaking yourself. in your house, and th- that's that's terrifying yeah. to yeah, me. Like, that's, <laughs> like that is more rooted in reality than like you know. And the thing about because we just watched also Midsummer not too long ago, uh-huh. and and it's yep. one of the things where it's like you know in that movie there's no. Uh, there's no explicit supernatural stuff. It's just humans being cruel to people. Yes. Yeah. Or under the guise of belief, right? So yeah. right, the yeah. idea of like humans, just the capacity for human cruelty mm-hmm. and what we can survive, that is terrifying. But it's yeah. also, I mean, the original Grim Fairy Tales, right? It also is like a moral yes. story and yes. a, you know, yeah. morality tale. Yeah, yeah. No, I always feel that when people say that, you know, like, oh, I can't watch that. You know, it's like too much blood and gore. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure that the John Wick series has more blood in it than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's it got like two blood. seconds. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's really fast. Like, it's yeah. not, you know, yeah. I remember showing it to him and he's like, oh, it wasn't well, as bad as yeah. he, he thought. He told me that right before we started. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, so I just want to let you know that like when, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre has like a, this many minutes of actual blood and guts yes. in it. Yeah, two minutes and, and I'm just yeah, like, so short. And I was just, and that actually helped me like really enjoy the film because I wasn't like bracing myself to watch like full decapitation, which, you know, I saw on, um, I've seen like many times in America horror story uh, yeah <laughs> so, yeah oh yeah no yeah, there's so much that's way worse yeah it's very uh yeah that argument is now now i think 
so uh, newer horror, like my parents weren't watching as much of that, but the minute I started working for Blumhouse, mm-hmm. you better believe they went and saw every movie I worked on in the theater. And my mom is like the best person because I let myself get scared. Like I watched um, Crawl and had like the best fucking experience watching that movie. But, um, and I'll jump and I'll just be there for the ride. And yeah. seeing a horror movie with my mom is like the greatest thing ever. Like she watched it and screamed through almost the whole movie. <laughs> and it was awesome. the greatest thing ever ever and so now they're like totally they're they're they've opened themselves up to the newer stuff because there's the same where there's there's a lot of you know i i don't think my my dad would want to watch like hostile for example mm-hmm. but they're totally down for any of the insidious as they loved get out they loved us like they are they are huge fans of of course anything i work on but they really like you know um open their minds to so and so anytime they're like what can you recommend they love Sabrina they love all this yes. stuff on mm-hmm. Netflix they're always watching did you see this one did you see that oh you gotta see this this uh, hunting on Hill House they love hunting of Hill House yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they loved that I'm like I haven't even had a chance to watch that yet um, <laughs> you've created monsters <laughs> yeah and they're just like all about it and of course they're like oh well your friend Axel wrote on Sabrina so we need to see Sabrina and support your friends and it's the cutest oh, thing that is I love awesome. it so much and then they meet them they'll come out here and meet them and be like oh my gosh we loved your episode of Sabrina and they'll just like they met Barbara Crampton they're like oh, oh we love yes. you Barbara and she's like oh do you know me from the soaps and my dad's like no, no, I know you from like from beyond and I know you from the horror <laughs> yes. movies you've done. Like yeah. random, and she's like, oh, okay. Like that's awesome. Cause you know, these, she, Cause she's she just like, assumes oh, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, and that, that argument, I just get very tired of that. And so some, something I've said, especially it's like, I'll hear it from family members occasionally. And I was like, well, I worked a year of my life on this thing, you will watch it. <laughs> you will see all the hard work I, I did. I didn't see this. you at Christmas because I was working <laughs> yeah, on this. Yeah. So if you want to see, you, Merry Christmas, here's Watch here's, my movie. Merry Christmas, Happy Halloween. Yes. yes. You will sit through this. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I, my brother-in-law um, attempted to show, he he loves horror, like maybe not as much as I do, but he definitely likes likes genre film. Mm-hmm. And he show, he tried to show my mom um, Sixth Sense, which is like, it's the Sixth Sense. Like it's, you know, it's ghosts and, you know. It's and fairly she benign. Just, it's fairly benign, but she, she couldn't get through it. She was just like, she was like heart palpitations the entire time. You swear <laughs> she was watching Hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, mom, it's the Sixth Sense. Like, you you already know what happens. Everyone like you already know what happens. He can see dead people, and you know Bruce Willis is dead. There you go. Yeah. And and uh, she couldn't finish it. That you know what that just um, you saying that just sparked something in my brain. I think when did oh, oh fuck I, I should know when this came out. When did Six Sense come out? Was it the? It was ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay, so if I was in nine, if that's right, if I was in ninth grade, um, so. I remember going to the drive-in um, and seeing our library, like for $3, you could see a double feature of Inspector Gadget and the animated Tarzan. And we went, okay. like, let's go. That'll be a fun. It was a Friday night. The Matthew the Broderick Inspector Gadget? Yes, Matthew okay. Broderick. Yes, yes. And Disney Tarzan. And the Tarzan, yeah, yes. The Phil Disney Collins. Tarzan. The Phil yes, Collins. Phil Collins. <laughs> yes. so the Phil go. Collins concept album, Tarzan? Yes, yes, exactly. So we go, and I remember... We watched the two movies, and then we're getting ready to go, and then we heard someone, like an employee, saying, oh, we have a third movie. <laughs> and... Excuse me. No problem. <laughs> <to death>. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, we have a third movie if anyone wants to stay for it. And P.S., like, everybody left, because there were little kids, everyone left. So my dad's like, do you guys want to stay for the movie? We're like, sure. And it was The Sixth Sense. Oh. Yes. And they, we knew nothing about it. We had seen no trailers. We didn't know anything about the movie. 
and holy shit, that scared me so much. Like the little girl under the bed and the guys, the, the, the kid saying, let me show you where my dad keeps his gun. And he turns around and his head's blown open. Like that movie scared the shit out of me. And it's something that just like stuck with me. Actually, I have, I don't think I've ever talked about that experience because I haven't thought about it in a long time, but that's another one that just, I was like, this genre is everything. Like, this is so crazy. <laughs> anyway, so just like yeah. you And there's that. children, there's children doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and children in peril. And like, yeah, so it was all about that. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater. <clears throat> um, had, because uh, I, at the time, let's see, in 99, I was living in Lebanon, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had like, you know, like I, we didn't even have a blockbuster. I don't think so. We had the movie gallery. That's yeah, we didn't have we, blockbuster. That's where we yeah. got our. What was the name of your local movie? Do you remember? Uh, Video One. May it rest in peace. Video One. I went yeah. back for for Christmas, and the first thing I wanted to do is go to Video One. Like literally, I got home and I'm like, got in the, my mom's car and went to Video One, and it was closed, and I had no idea, and I cried all yeah. the way home. I was like, then I yelled at my parents. I was like, why didn't you know it was closing? Why didn't you go get VHS tapes? Why didn't you go and get a bunch of horror? And they're like. Oh my God, we didn't know. We didn't know it was because they always go to the library. And they're like, we didn't know. We're so sorry. And I was really, I took it all out on them because I was so upset that they didn't know it was closed. But anyways, it was very traumatic that it was gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fail you there because I remember when the movie gallery closed and it was it was heartbreaking because, you know, you go there as a family and you look at all the horror. And, you know, you just picked out based on the what it looked like, you yeah. know? Like, we didn't know what yeah. this movie was. Just grab it and take it, you know? And we'd watch them all night. Uh, but anyway, so I remember when The Sixth Sense came out, I went with a, another uh, boy Although it wasn't a date, but it was, but it wasn't, but it was, you know, one of those kind of things. You were too young for it to be a date. But, right. But, yeah. you know, but so we went and like right in that scene where he's coming up the hall where she's in the, in the tent, the oh film like split, you know? <gasps> and so we're all like, ah! Oh no. And it took up like 20 minutes to figure out and, you know, we finished the movie, but uh, that's just what I remember from going and seeing that. Well, you, that just, that made me think like when you're, so when you're at the video store and you're looking at everything because since we're almost pretty much the same age, mm-hmm. uh, there there was no way to look at trailers. Unless, like, you could No. There was no... In, no. Like the yeah. internet hadn't gotten that That far. was, like, the yeah. heyday of, like, great uh, cover art. Yes. Yeah. And that's, yeah. like, so literally just looking at the covers and reading what they're about, and I was like, well, try this, and... Oh, yeah. But not having any idea. Or yeah. the, you know, I remember seeing the iconic Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and I was like, oh, my God, that looks like The Breakfast Club. I love The Breakfast Club. And, and, and then I remember ones where I was like too scared. Like I remember the child's play, the one of, um, is it, is it, uh, fuck the, uh, where it's him chucking on the cover, cutting the, the clown's neck. Is that two child's play two? Cause then his face is I for think three. So, the third two. one is the, Just is like face. the military one. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, with the shears and I was like, oh my God, child's play looks so scary. And then when yeah. I finally watched it, I was like, this movie's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, that. Man, that's just something you don't have anymore because now you can. But but it's also nice to be able to go back and look at those those amazing trailers. And, yeah, you know that we have access to that now. But yeah, that doesn't even you know you know what everything is now. You know? Yeah, so well, oversaturated yeah. with that stuff. Like yeah, because that was the thing. Because my mom was big into horror, and so she's who kind of who gave it to oh, us as a family. Awesome. We always watched scary movies, and so yeah, exactly. It's not like we had a phone. You could Wikipedia and like, am I mm-hmm. gonna like this? You know, you were committing. It's like I'm gonna spend this dollar fifty, and yep. kids are gonna watch every fucking. Second. <laughs> <laughs> or you do uh, mine or was three for five or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, mine was like it was like three for five or for kids movies you could get uh, you could do like an add on for like another two kids movies or on mm-hmm. Tuesdays or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's oh, always yeah. those. And yeah. it was just like I, and I like 
we never rented horror. Like, I think the most horrific thing that my parents uh, may have rented was um, The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But they're yes. super Catholic, so it was like, oh, the devil. Like, maybe there's mm-hmm. maybe there's Catholic imagery. And Keanu, um, yeah. Ken Keanu. So it was like The Devil's Advocate and The Cable Guy were like the two most horrific things I ever remember. <laughs> cable Guy is dark as fuck. Yeah, yeah. it's super dark. Um, and, and thinking about it now, I'm like, did I really watch The Cable Guy with my parents? I think I did. Um, That's amazing. But, like, going through and, like, going through and, you know, Chucky freaked me the hell out. Freddy freaked me the hell out. I just never, I never even went to you that couldn't even side. look at it. I couldn't even yeah. look at it. I was like, oh, yeah. no. Yep. It's in the thin, it's in the thin cover, the one that slips on and off. So uh-huh. I knew that was not for me. It was had to be in the, <laughs> you know, the Disney, like, this is. Oh, the clamshell? The clamshell, yep. you yep. know. <laughs> the, the very, like, specific memory of opening and closing a clamshell a DVD case. The Indian in the cupboard one where it was like. Yes, yes, on the On the, yes. on the back. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes, um, well, Joshua's like you had a you you were happy as a kid. So innocent, that's so lovely. <laughs> also, shout out to my place that closed, uh, B and J Video on uh, the island of Guam. Uh, it was like owned by one family. It was like the it was like the biggest and the one of like three uh, video rental places on the entire island. And that place, like we. We were there like every week, sometimes just like you know different movies and stuff. Oh, that's and amazing. But yeah, so shout out to them; they're also closed. I love that. R.I.P. Yeah, it's it's sad though. Spoiled being in L.A., we have um in uh, North Hollywood we have Eddie Brandt's Saturday Matinee, which is a video rental store, like VHS rental store. Awesome. Um, that'll go because there's just some stuff that just you can't get. It's either not street like it's trapped. Yeah. Yeah, you have there's a VHS co- player. Yeah, right over there amazing. under my under my blue. Because I have VHS tapes that I can't watch. <laughs> They laughed at me. I went into Best Buy a few years ago. Like, do you sell it? <laughs> no. no. I think I think it's try like, Goodwill. They told yeah, literally. Yeah, Goodwill. No, told no, no, totally. Yeah. And, and and there's like VHS. Um, um, the horror. If you go on Facebook, there's horror community like um, VHS swaps and stuff, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can find out. But there's some stuff like I just went and rented a bunch of things from Eddie Brandt's four day rental, and it was like ten bucks for four movies. And there were just stuff I can't, I couldn't find streaming yeah. at all, um, and aren't on DVD. Most usually that's because of like uh, music rights or something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. such a treat. Um, and I was so obsessed with movies when I was little that I worked at the library. My first job was working at our library. You know, when I was in high school, and then I worked at the library when I was in college in the video section. And people would come in and be like, "What should I rent?" And I was like, "Well." Let me be a curator for your taste right now. Yeah. What are you into? Let me suggest some stuff. And at the time, I was into like really fucking weird movies. And sometimes they'd come in and be like, this is amazing. And sometimes they'd be like, oh, this is too weird. Can we ask somebody else for their opinions on something? <laughs> it's like, here's Cannibal Holocaust. Right. Here, yeah, here's, here's 120 Sus- Days of Arcelo. Yeah, yeah, here's, yeah. Uh, here's, uh, um, here's Suspiria. Um, here's like all mm-hmm. of these like really weird and, yeah. you know. I think like at the time I was like, there was a, period of like all college kids go through like of my generation but I was like okay well um and I always talk about the the four Johns so John Waters John Hughes John Carpenter and John Cameron Mitchell that I was raised on yes I love that yeah so that so I would be like okay uh have you seen Pink Flamingos yes I was like have you seen Desperate Living no let me hook you up yeah that that sort of or Todd Solondz or Harmony Corinne like I was into weird some weird stuff um and I was like well uh, like they, some, one girl brought in Bridget Jones, and she's like, oh, "Do you have any suggestions?" I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Why don't you check out this movie called Happiness by Todd Solondz?" And she was like, "Okay." And then she came back. She's like, "Why would you ever recommend this to somebody?" I was like, "Oh, did you not like it?" And she's like, "This is 
a horrible movie. I was like, you just don't get it. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, <please. laughs> like, I'm I'm not the, the weird team. one. You're the weird one. <laughs> Uh, that's so amazing. Yeah, I feel like we had such a similar, like, <laughs> childhood in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just... Because, uh... yeah, definitely horror. Like, because, I mean, I had a lot... Well, once I embraced it, then it sort of changed, because that was sort of the secret for me in high school, especially embracing, like, queerness and being very, like, in your face about it. Like, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, like, Elvira was, like, mm, my yes. hero. Okay. Because, especially because it's, like, that's what I really took inspiration from, of, like, how to escape, like that feeling because it's like here's somebody who's proud of being weird yeah. and that's not that was something I had yes. never thought about like you know being like no we are the weirdos mister fuck you like you yeah know, like, you exactly know, and taking that on so. yeah also yeah. the X-Files was such a savior. Oh, the yeah. X-Files had a huge impact on me yeah, too yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's another one where I was just like obsessed when I was younger like I'm trying to think of stuff like that helped shape what inspires yeah, me now I love that um, yeah. and that's uh, another one that I was like so in love with but a lot of, a lot of and also, like, All That We Destroy is, obviously, it's super heavily influenced by The Exorcist, Poltergeist, Cujo, because it's all about, like, to me, that movie is about the mothers, what a mother will do for her child. And so Ugh. those three movies, it's like, one's willing to talk to a priest about an exorcism, another mother's willing to go to another dimension for her child, and another one's really willing to fight this, like, rabid dog for her child. So, Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I love, that's actually a perfect uh, transition. So we'll, that's we'll, a perfect we'll take a yeah. real okay. quick break, and we're going to dive real deep into uh, <laughs> all, all that we destroy. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> I just want to apologize. I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive and very stupid, and I shouldn't have put other people in danger. I am so sorry for everything that has happened because in spite of what Joshua says, it's now all my fault. I insisted our listeners subscribe to Fright School on Apple Podcasts. I insisted they leave us reviews. I insisted that they give us a five-star rating. And it's all because of me that we're here now and we're being hunted. I love you, Mom and Dad. I am so sorry. I only wanted to make good content for our listeners. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm going to die out here. <laughs> Joshua, is that you? All right, and welcome back. All right, so we are so excited to dive into, um, this is your debut feature? Yes. Your How debut? Cool. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's on Hulu. It's part of Hulu's Into the Dark series, which is a series of film each uh, month that come out around a holiday, and this was Mother's Day. Yes. <laughs> I was originally going to ask you how your relationship with your mother is, but we already covered that. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Hey, that's awesome. Good for you. Um, no, mine's better. Uh, <laughs> if my mom would watch it, it'd be fantastic. Right. Th- like, exactly. There you go. Yeah. I was, I was uh, like, you know, I was like, I, I'll watch a movie with you, but if it's horror like I would really I'll sit down and watch it like ah, it's okay 
<laughs> but anyway, so Into the Dark. Uh, yes, so Into the Dark series. All That We Destroy is the name. And like I said, this is based around Mother's Day and the real mm-hmm. the, the little quick uh, synopsis. A geneticist who fears her son may be a serial killer creates a group of clones to cure him of his violent tendencies. Ugh. <laughs> so much to unpack. <laughs> I did love that the description was was like very upfront about yeah. it, it didn't skirt the thing and no. and and that was great because like they spend the rest of the film kind of going over that process and what yeah. that means. So yeah. it was like, oh, we we know already what we're getting into. Um yeah, I uh th- th- first of all, I and this I mean this with such love cuz you know him. So Israel Brassard, who <laughs> he you would Joshua, I point to Joshua. Joshua knows him probably from Happy Death Day. I know right. him from To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's on brand for us. That's our brand. Um <laughs> but uh he and I mean this with such love, he plays the shit out of Spencer. Yeah. Like he just has that kind of like he does that I was like, this is so weird because he does that vacant expression, yeah, the emptiness, the yeah, emptiness yeah. of like a serial killer sociopath, like so well, when I know that like he's been in romantic comedies where he's had more expressiveness, yeah. but he's just like, has this like, you know, and I'm like, oh man, if I were her, I would be, I would also be a, like oddly attracted to the vacant expression of a beautiful curly haired boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. So I was just like, wow, he's really good at this. And it, and it's so, it's so, it's so believable. And I'm like, but this is so weird for me because I know him in a rom-com context. Not, yes. And yeah. like the bling ring and. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, working, yeah. working with him was amazing. He's a, I remember when we were doing the uh, audition process for the movie and I had met with a lot of actors and had a lot of actors come in and um, he was someone obviously from coming from, we have a lot of Blumhouse alums mm-hmm, in, in mm-hmm. both my movies. Um, but I remember when he came up, I was like, I love Israel Broussard. I was like, I would love the whole thing was cause a lot of, I, I talk about all the way destroy as, um, psycho meets. We need to talk about Kevin oh and cause <laughs> I have noticed that both of those movies. That's so amazing. Yay. Yeah. yeah. On the this drive up be here, great. he was like, we're going to make sure to top this and this. <laughs> This is going to be awesome. Go ahead. Um, No, no, but but there's something like you can't help but like like Norman Bates as fucked up as he is. Like there's something so likable about, and that's Anthony Perkins like coming through. Absolutely. With Israel, and he hadn't. Another thing I think he liked about the role is he had never done anything like that before, and Mm -hmm. I was really because he's you're used to seeing him as the love interest or the best friend, and especially after Happy Death Day. And I remember having a conversation with Chris Landon, who's a friend of mine, um, about Israel because he came to see All That We Destroy because we did a screening for it, and he was like, "Whoa!" He was like kind of blown away by it because he's like, "We're just not we never see him as that character," and uh, he was so like he and Aurora together, and Aurora I knew from Gem and the Holograms. She was just in When They See Us as well, Um, and them together they took such good because they obviously they have some pretty intense scenes he's like bashing her head in multiple times she has a she has to carry um within her role playing a human like our human who we call would call trashly (laughs) because she's not a great person but then she also had to play all these all these trashly all these different clone versions of herself and each one is more self-aware of like what's going she's she's learning more her memory is coming back so each one note is starting to learn a little bit more remember a little bit more so she had to do all these she had 
all these versions um, that she had to play of the clone. But they took such good care of each other in terms of these very violent scenes. And I knew what she was pulling from to get there emotionally. And so as a director, it's like, okay, how many takes can I do of this? How many times can I put this person through this? Um, And I become friends after shooting with both his, her and Israel. Um, And I even talking through this, everything with Israel, I don't think he had seen Psycho before we made the movie. And I was like, well, I'd love for you to watch it. That's, that's your homework. I said, I don't want you to, I I don't want you to play it like Norman Bates does, but I want you to watch, like pay attention to his performance. Also, it's one of the greatest movies of all time and (laughs) it'll help you sort of understand what we're going for with his character. Yes. He's charismatic. Charismatic. Yeah. I mean, like as, as horror fans, like obviously we care more about Norman Bates than we do Marion Crane. I mean, like, you know, (laughs) in in my opinion, you know, a white woman steals stuff. She got what she got. Uh, (laughs) 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 Joe. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's I think a cautionary it was, tale on colonialism. I, We're learning. That's what Psycho's about. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, I mean, again, sorry. Hot takes. Hot takes coming in. Hot takes. But the, bold the, horror the, statement yeah, is bold, the chance bold, to waves. Exactly. Um, I, I will say that um, strangulation is intimate. It yeah. is so yeah. freaking intimate. And within the first five minutes, that like very like that that just the image of like how he does it and then mm-hmm. in, and and he how he kills her and how that's how he kills every single one yeah. and you know a, you yeah, know trying to recreate that trying experience. to recreate that experience yeah. but also realizing that it's not real and, yeah. but but like that's just so intimate and then seeing like the, he's really working like he is i'm like are yes you, how, how do you so from a inside baseball perspective how did you get that physical response from him and like what what was the double situation because i i doubt that you i doubt that you actually had him strangle her but <laughs> yeah, no, but like no. how did how did you get that physical response from him? because like you can see the vein popping out of his neck mm-hmm. um in, in all of that um I am super lucky in the sense that he is an incredible actor and Mm -hmm. I just don't think he's had the opportunity to show what he's capable of because Mm -hmm. uh, not, not to say that, that his roles in the past haven't been challenging for an actor, but this is something where he is playing something he's never played before. And we talked very in depth about the character, the character's background and, you know, talking to him about what, is going through his head right now and also comparing it to he doesn't have sex with the victim, but this is his sex, basically. This is his climax. This is, like, explaining it in those terms to him. And also, I know it was, like, not easy for... I remember having moments on set where, especially when you're doing this over and over again, and also with Dora Madison's character with having to kill Marissa, um, spoiler alert, uh, but (laughs) he having moments where he was, like, you know, actors are... They're they're going to another place. They're like you know they're they're taking on this role and becoming someone else um, for this brief moment while you're shooting. And he was like really sort not traumatized is not the right word, but he he was like this you know getting upset occasionally because he's like this I would never do this to another human being. I would never do this to somebody. I would never physically hurt anyone. And and so even though he wasn't it's acting, it was really getting into his head about it. He's yeah. like, I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, it's hard. Like this kind of role is very difficult. And also Aurora having, you know, doing yeah. it to her and he cared very much about her. And, you know, anytime we did those scenes, then, you know, we would, they would exit the set and I'd let them, you know, go. And then I'd wait a minute and then I'd check on both of them, be like, you okay? They had safe words. They had, we had to really make sure that, uh, you know, everything was safe. But that, uh, especially the, um, 
the scene when he kills the human Ashley. Mm-hmm. When it's, I specifically shot that for it to be direct to camera. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where it's like, you know, his, the vein is popping out. He's looking directly at the camera. And it was so disturbing. It was mm-hmm. so scary. I remember showing the movie, I showed the movie to him and Aurora right before it was finished. And both of them were like, holy shit. Like, I don't even think they, in the moment, you don't realize it. And I remember him coming up to me. He's like, are you getting everything, you know, that you do want? And, you know, telling him, uh, I I was basically like, you have no idea. Like, you have no idea how incredible this performance is. And um, uh, I can't, I cannot wait to work with uh, him and Aurora again. And I've been very lucky with with the actors. And and then also, you know, working with Samantha Mathis, who obviously Mm -hmm. we talked about Mary Heron. And I talked to her about uh, her experience on American Psycho. And uh, I knew her from Pump Up the Volume. And and she's a huge, huge star. And her playing this complex mother role, but also she's like has this relationship with her son. But if she views everything from a scientist perspective, it's okay. It's like, okay, if I look at this, there's a distance. It's science. So it's not killing this girl. It's, it's science. It's therapy. It's a different way to look at it. And yeah. I also love the idea of nature versus nurture. That's mm-hmm. a big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's also a little bit of a statement on, um, what white people can get away with. Um, and, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> and, but, but the fact that, as crazy as it sounds, this could exist at some point. Like, like mm-hmm. actually using this as therapy. Like, could this prevent serial killers from going out and killing other people? Like, if you do, it's it's really fucked up. And then at the end, when he comes out of the goo, is he gonna be? That's a question of like, is the serial killer is that in your DNA? Because we just yeah. don't know enough yet. Yeah. And. Will he come out of the goo and be the same? Will he still be a killer, or will he be the son she always wanted and not be no. that anymore? Will she get to remake him in mm-hmm. an image, in that image of him with the dog, with the dog yeah. before he kills yes. the dog? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating too because you have you have her playing this like you know again it's a complex woman who who is who is trying to is at odds with the fact that she is a mother of this troubled child and trying to still love him and give him what he needs. And this is the way I give him what he needs is by giving him a way to express this. But it's so fascinating because it's like you also in trying to tame the monster that is your child, you have also now become a monster Mm -hmm. because you're keeping, (laughs) keeping a girl, um, a clone trapped in your house and then everything subsequently after that. And it's just so, it's just so fascinating to see that turn in, um, in the character. And it's just like, well, I I, I was like, well, why can't Spencer just now go and he like wants to go and be with this girl. And then to see him, like he killed her, not because of his urges, he killed her to protect her. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I was like, yeah. I love that turn at the end yeah. where, where she's like, why did you do this? She slaps him across the face, which like, by the way, that's a great like mother slap. Like all of that <laughs> was they, great. That, that's because they really did it. Oh yeah. Like, he, she, she, he literally said, we, I, all this, this, even the slap when he, mm-hmm. she discovers that the bot, uh, uh, the, uh, the first Ashley's body. Yeah. They, he really, he said, I want you to really smack me. Oh. Smack me like you would if I were your kid. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No that wonder was, it's so yeah. No wonder That's I was like, it's, it's so good. And because you don't hear, because it's like, you don't hear like the foley of a slap. Like you actually, he- you heard it like as it's being caught on camera. And I was like, yep. oh, wow, that was really cool. Um, but like in that moment where she's like, oh, you did this to protect me. She's like, oh, maybe you are getting better. And then now they still have to like, you know, we'll, we'll 
remake her and we'll do all these things. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, more to that point, there's the moment where she is in the garden talking to Ashley about death and mm-hmm. what it, and it's very bleak. This is a very bleak movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a very scientific perspective. Exactly. Because yeah. it's removing the emotion from it. In that moment, she is telling, basically telling Ashley, you should fight to survive because on the surface, she knows that if she fights back, it's more satisfying for her son when she kills him. Yeah. But also subconsciously, she's telling Ashley this because maybe Ashley will survive. Because mm-hmm. Samantha, this is to go a little insight into the movie, um, she actually wanted, uh, she, as a character, one of, her, one of the things she was working with um, that she never told Israel, but she told me, was that she actually wants Ashley to kill him because she wants a second chance and she can't do it herself. Oh, I so love that. So if she's like, if I teach That's the squirrel, great. so the subconscious is if I tell her to fight, maybe she will fight him and maybe she'll win. And if she yeah. does then I could have a second chance with my son because she could never do that. She could never, you know, um, kill her son. But if she arms this girl with the tools she needs, maybe. And yes, maybe the kill would be more satisfying for him and she continues making these clones, but maybe. Or she um, only makes them like once every three months or mm -hmm, something like that. mm -hmm. Mm, That is great. Yeah. Yeah, that's great insight. Yeah. And then (laughs) then there's, you know, her relationship with Frank Whaley, Mm -hmm. who's the only person she can really talk to. Um, And there's a, it's not said in the movie, but his backstory um, of why they have to communicate over this virtual reality. Is that his consciousness? So that's actually, so so this is something I love that people ask me because I I love when people bring up things because a lot of people asked if he was dead or if he was a clone, which I love like people bringing that up, but they're actually in a virtual space. So it's same thing. She's uploading her conscious. He's uploading his because he is in a different country. Um, And and, um, uh, Spencer's character is the way he is because of, Frank's character because of Mm. Parker and basically his backstory, which isn't said in the movie anywhere, but Parker um, was a therapist and um, had people who uh, clients that came to him that were feeling suicidal and he encouraged them to commit suicide Mm. and uh, got in trouble for that and had to flee the country. Mm. So um, he got caught and people figured out what he was doing. And so he left and, um, Basically, he's, you know, escaped and this is their, they just, they have this technology for the two of them to communicate and uh, it's her way of, she has no one else to talk to yeah, about yeah. this. Yeah, it's a way to co-parent. He's like, yeah, <laughs> it's a way to co-parent. Yeah. But she's, because of his, because of a Parker's fucked up bullshit is what, is like, she's like, I'm doing, dealing with this in our son because of you. Yeah. And... Um, He's never needed you before, I think is what yes. she says. Yeah. yeah She's like, because never you've, really needed his father anyways. Yeah. Because yep. you've given him, you've given, what you've given him is what I'm dealing with right yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Like he, because oh. you're fucked up, he is. Yeah. And because of your, like, how fucked up your moral compass is, now yeah. I'm having to deal with it. But it's just nice for her to confide but, in somebody. Yeah, exactly. Talk to somebody. She resents him for it, but she still has, she has no one else that she can go to. Yeah. And, and might as well talk to the source. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I really... Um, it's a game to Parker. He, yeah. like, loves, like, oh, well, why don't you do this? I'm pushing her buttons and... And you know, he's great. Her head. Oh, and yeah. he's fantastic in that. I Frank Whaley. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. He was my first choice for that role. I really wanted him, and I was so happy he said that. So one day of shooting, it was our last day of shooting, was all the stuff with him and Samantha. Uh. Um, and hearing them, I told my sound girl to... Uh, sound woman to keep their... Um, 
their mics on when we weren't shooting because I wanted to hear their stories that they would tell each other. So I'd keep my headphones <laughs> on and eavesdrop, even though you're not supposed to do that. Like you're supposed to turn their mics off when you're off. But I'm like, I want to hear them talk about, you know, their heyday in the 80s, hanging out in New York City. Um, and so that was nice to, <laughs> it was fun to awesome. hear. <laughs> uh, speaking of like the uploading, this is something I really like about this is the technology is really tangible. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, like it feels like we're almost there. Like yeah. this film just feels like it's so it's so immediate, but also the future, you yes. know, where we're sort of heading. So I, I really like that. And the, and the question of really the horror of science, mm-hmm. you know, and we can do many things. Should we is the yes, question. That's is the that, question. Yeah. Is that the, um, yeah, um, I wanted it to feel like, I didn't want it to feel like it was 20 years in the future. I'm like, what do iPhones look like five years in the future? Yeah. Like, what is technology like? And I know they're already cloning like hearts and mm-hmm. they, like we literally in the movie was coming out. We were hearing about that, but yeah, the technology, we were really specific about how that would look there. And there's little things here and there. Um, but we were really specific about how that looked and even the computers, the interfaces, like what, what would she be using? Um, and yes, to feel, to feel tangible, to feel like this is something that could be like, like what's the iPhone going to look like? Yeah. You know? What's no. that going to look like in five years? Yeah, absolutely. And what it, you know, like the ethics of that, like if we talk about, you know, serial killers and this being something that we know we cannot cure, mm-hmm. you know, I work in, uh, behavioral health and outpatient psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And um, not as a psychiatrist, but I want to be a therapist. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, we have people that have, you know, antisocial personality disorder. Maybe they're not killing people yet. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, we, we feel at this time there's no cure. So yeah. are, is this an answer for that? And how do we feel about clones? How do we feel about AI that is yes. self-aware? Mm-hmm. You know, where do, how, where do we begin and end their um, autonomy? Yeah. You know, so it's like that, that whole question of watching, of watching this, it's like, <laughs> and if you're, how close are we to this? <laughs> well, and also if you're cloning, like obviously Ashley was, is human and, mm-hmm. and at the, at the beginning and when she's cloned, it's sort of like, does the, does the DNA, do, do, is there memory there? Mm-hmm. Right? Is she remembering? Like how many times can you get away with this before the memories come back because you're using the same materials. Exactly. Like you're using, yeah. you're, you're recycling. breaking down her yeah. organic, exactly, you're, you're recycling, recycling the her. Bodies. Yeah. And obviously like, or Victor, her name, you know, Samantha Mouse is Victoria Harris, which is Victor Frankenstein. Like we used, mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that's why we use that. Um, because that's what she's creating. And, yeah. and, uh, but again, she's always looking at it under, okay, if we look at it as science, then it's not killing. Then this is, this is, you know. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. <laughs> exactly. And we know that in mice, like, you know, we know those you know, famous studies where they, you know, teach a, ma- a mouse a maze mm-hmm. and then they give their young the same maze and they know how to do it. So it, there, there are questions yeah. of, of inherited memory. You yeah. know, our own ancestral fears as humans of snakes, of spiders, of things that have long affected us, you know, mm-hmm. in our, in our, when they were real threats to us. Like now, most of us who are afraid of spiders know that there's probably not a lot of spiders that actually kill us, but we're still terrified because it lives. It lives in this lizard brain, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I wrote wrote a little thing about like, yeah, their inherited memory and the the frighteningness of that. Well, I mean, the more, more, I guess, current thing would be like the the idea of like epigenetic trauma, right? So you have like trauma that lives in your genes. Well, if you're Mm -hmm. using the same material the same brain, the same, you know, the same, um, all of that same 
organic matter and it's being done to basically remake the same person over and over again eventually like i like the way she puts it uh, victoria puts it in the film where she says like is it distilling it It, are Mm -hmm. we just getting it so that way you know we're just running it through so many filters and then now we have like the most most ashley ashley that we get yes Yeah. yeah exactly um and uh uh and and also talking about the 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 tech with our VR world. Cause that's something mm-hmm. I was like, how do we even, and I didn't want to do anything over a green screen. I'm like, I want to be in a practical location. I want to be in something that feels yeah, real. Cool. And then we use the, um, the, the audio or the visual and audio cues we actually took from Legion. Um, there was an episode in the second season mm-hmm. of Legion where mm-hmm. there was glitching and frame, like little frame. Yeah. I thought that and, was cool. Yeah. Like yeah. We did that. We, we modeled it off of that. Um, Cause that, you know, well that shows amazing, but I was like, this feels right. And the idea of like, you know, we have, we have, yes, she Skypes with her boss, but this VR only exists between her and Parker. Yeah. Like that's something that they, only they have. So, but the glitchiness of it like speaks to the imperfection of it yes, too. Exactly. You Just know? like a Skype call or a cell yeah, phone call. Yeah. Like, we can't hear someone, you lose cell yeah. reception, whatever. Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was really happy with that that design. And it also just, it, yeah, all that stuff was tricky. And doing anytime you're doing like VFX for phones mm-hmm. and things like that, it's a lot. And you have to hold it a certain way, and it's a lot of stuff to not make it feel weird. Yeah, yeah but just the, the practicality of doing yeah. it. As a, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like out. how, you know, because we're, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're living in the future. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you, how do you have a a depiction of a future that is not like super neo-futurist, but also at the same time seems like tangible. And, yeah. and in that, I mean, that's where it's most frightening. Cause it's yeah. like, you know, it's this piece of glass, but like it's your phone and it's, yeah. 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 Um, so I was also going to um, talk a little bit about like influences on the script. Um, you brought mm-hmm. up, cause I wrote down here echoes of psycho, which you brought yep. up. Um, and uh, I also wrote, there's um, an old Tales from the Crypt comic called Horror We House Bao You, and it's about a, uh, bro- two brothers. Mm-hmm. And the one brother is, is a, um, he's a sociopath, he's a psychopathic oh, yes, murderer. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. the other brother, to keep himself from being killed, starts diverting tourists off into their swamp so that the brother can kill them. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of yeah. reminded me a little bit of that. It also reminded me a little bit of Equus, uh, mm-hmm. just yep. in the conversations oh, yeah, of yeah. insanity, of psychosis, uh, you know, this sort of, um, you know, ongoing conversation. And then the Dexter, Dr. Vogel relationship mm-hmm. in yep. the later seasons, you know, where she, she's trying to do her best, yes. but you know, it's those questions. And also Pinocchio, you know, uh, I was thinking uh-huh. a lot mm-hmm. watching it about oh, totally. Pinocchio, about, you know, Cause he's like an artist and that's all about, you know, like art imitating life, imitating art, you know, and he's, he's thriving for something real while being trapped in this very yes. structured non-reality, yes. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it kind of, there was just, there's a lot going on. So I don't know um, how much you know about the development of the script or yeah. the story. Great so question. if you could talk a little bit about that. So the script was specifically written for me to direct. So Sean Keller and very James cool. Agnew. Yep. They wrote it for me. And, um, when they for into the dark or no, no, it was just it, its it was, own thing. I'll get to, I'll, I'll okay, get okay. to the into the dark of it. But no 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 no, I'll get. Um, let you tell your story. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they had the idea. I loved it because um, they that's where they pitched the we need to talk about Kevin meets Psycho, and they know I obviously have a Hitchcock tattoo on my shoulder. I always carry Hitch with me, <laughs> um, and so they know I love both those movies, but. To me, I was like, I want the focus to be about 
I'm, I'm just, I'm always, I'm, I don't have any children, but I'm always, I have a lot of friends that do and what parents are capable of doing for their children and to go so far as like, we will commit murder to, if it saves our child, like what people will do. So that's why I would bring up the exorcist and poltergeist and Cujo to always make sure that that was there. Um, and, uh, the artwork is like, that's something. And so there are two things. So the artwork being mentioned in the script was specifically written for one of the writer's sisters to do. So that's the, the artwork you see in the movie is hers. And then the song, which is the baby's song, mm-hmm. Every Time I Think of You, that was in the script as well. And we were able to get the song, which never fucking happens. Yeah. That's so a, that was pretty huge. Amazing. And um, we wanted to, those are two things that we were really hoping would work out. And they did. Um, so the Into the Dark of it. So I shot the movie, let's see, it was January 2018. Yeah, last January. And um, basically it was sort of a Wired for Into the Dark. So what happened was we shot the movie and it was a really tough schedule. We only had 15 days to shoot it. And uh, basically I think what happened was either Blumhouse TV saw the, read the script or saw the movie. I can't remember which, which the order it was, but they're like, we want this. And the deal had just come through. They're like, this is perfect for Mother's Day. And we're like, yes, it is perfect for Mother's Day. <laughs> and I was really excited. I think it was the first one on the slate. And of course that was, we were shooting it in January and it didn't come out till this May, um, this past May. But they, and because they came to it after it was shot, there was only so much that we could, you know, cause they have notes and things like that. And there were a couple things that we did um, that they recommended that I really liked, some ideas that they had. And they're like, this is perfect. Like, we don't really need to do much to it. Like, this is great. And so I was was so excited for it to be on a platform like Hulu because millions of people would see it. Yeah. And there's also something like, as a filmmaker, so much of it is that bullshit of like, oh, well it didn't make a lot of money in the box office must be a flop, you know? So there's that pressure of like when a movie is theatrically released, if it doesn't make enough money, uh, it's like, Oh, that can affect your career. But for this, I was like, well, there are no, there are no numbers. They don't show the statistics of how many people see it or anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'll take it for my first movie. I'm super stoked. And obviously working with Blumhouse TV and Hulu was awesome. And they were super into how crazy and dark the movie was. (laughs) Um, they were all about it. And also because it's just such a weird story. It's just something we don't see very much of. And all their, you know, all the Into the Darks, they kind of are a little off and a little weird. Yeah, and yeah. yeah they're they're all really they're weird. Yeah, <laughs> which is cool. Which that they're, that they're like embracing that is awesome. Um, and uh, the artwork was something that we had to have cast for, for Shannon Keller to start. That's the name of the artist. And for her to start working on them, we had to be cast because they're all, you know, they look like Ashley and look like uh, Marissa. And uh, a lot of the, and this is something you were talking about where, so Spencer lives in this very desolate sort of desert area, but all, a lot of the drawings involve organic matter and Mm -hmm. bugs and plants and flowers and. um, His friends. His, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so when we also did a thing where he meets, when he meets Marissa, he goes from this sort of desert landscape where she is, it's sort of like the color is the saturation is boosted in the movie and, and that, um, yeah. and really showing that she is the life because mm-hmm. he's surrounded by death. He's created death. He, he is fascinated with death and she's the life that is brought into his life. Um, 
So really, and that's why he like, you know, when he does that drawing of her, there's all these like snakes and bugs and all this crazy. Yeah. Such a cool image. Yeah. It's teeming with life, but it's like very disturbing. Exactly. Because like the, it's like black and white. And he uses no color. Exactly. It's so like the spider in the off, Mm -hmm, on the right hand mm -hmm. side. It was just like, wow, this is very detailed and very, but very disturbing. Yep. Exactly. And he's like, his social cues are a little off and you know, sort of mimicking human behavior a little bit. Be like, I think this is how I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to act. And like when Ashley asks for his jacket in the flashback, he gives Marissa his jacket in the gallery. Like those things where he like remember. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, But no, yeah, the script and working with Sean and Jim was an awesome uh, experience. And of course I was there from the, Mm -hmm. from its inception. They were on set with me. Um, And which was helpful because talking through stuff with Samantha and with Aurora and Israel and Dora, if they had specific questions, it was so, it's so wonderful to have the writer on set. And I also Mm -hmm. want him to like Sean and Jim to feel like their vision is being brought to life too. Mm -hmm. Cause I know it's like a lot of the times the script goes to the writer and you're like, bye, see you later. But it was really important for me to feel like their vision was present too. Yeah. I do enjoy when writers are on set. Like I, I yes. like that because it's I like, love it. yeah, because it's just they, you know, so often when you're a writer and you just, you know, you just give it over and then you you hope that it, you hope that your vision comes to life, yeah. but you're a, at least able to be there to be reference and, you know, it's like you're having your own dramaturg right there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah, I was going to ask, so that's perfect. Again, the, tra- you're so good at this, like <laughs> just, the transitions, you know, because I was wondering about, you know, how much of the script and the film really match up because like one of my favorite devices in a film, any kind of movie is to just be dropped into action that you have no clue what's going uh, on. Mm-hmm. And I love it right at the beginning, how she like wakes up and he's there and mm-hmm. it's like, you're, you're as disconcerted as she is, you know, that's why I wrote deliciously disconcerting because yeah. it's like, she's like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know? So I love that. Like yeah. you just dropped right into it. And then I love that the original murder, the original Ashley, it is split up mm-hmm. across the, across the film. You yes. know, I think it, it's like 30 or 40 minutes in when you see what actually happened yeah. to her. And I'm, which I love that device too. It, you know, as it's like either working in backwards or working in little, you just get little slices of it and yeah. how it's applying to the current action. I was like, this is cool. So I'm wondering, was that scripted or, or mm-hmm. those choices? So we shot every single scene of the movie. Nothing got cut when we were shooting, um, which is a miracle. That never happens. Um, and then in editorial, you know, we played a, played around a lot with structure when I was with my editor um, in terms of how it played. And I think every scene that we shot was in the movie with the exception of, I think, one or two. Maybe there were two. There was one extra scene with Samantha and Frank that we didn't really need because it was already information that we already knew. Um, And then there was maybe one other one, which I can't think of at this moment. But um, the breaking up the flashback, and I believe its first iteration was all in one chunk. And then we broke it up in editorial. We realized we're like, you know what? Let's play with this. Let's, Let's tease it out for the audience a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and then positioning where where they were dropped specifically in within the story. We're like, all right, let's be very specific about where we put them and how we break them up. Yeah. So, um, and that's something that Blumhouse TV had also suggested too. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, let's let's try it. Let's see if it works. Because it doesn't always work. So um, I was oh, like, let's works. give it a try. And it totally <laughs> yeah, worked. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it just helped with like teasing out 
the story. And also your audiences are, are, I think people forget how like smart your audiences are. I'm like, you don't have to spoon feed anything to them. They will get it. Yeah. Especially horror audiences. Exactly. We're looking for, we're looking for new things. We're looking for different things. And you know, and we're also looking for those homages, you know? So it's like, it's great because you pick up on like everything. Cause you brought up, um, we have to talk about Kevin. Cause one of the things that were, obviously it's about the dynamics of mother son relationships. And I wrote about the, um, the mothers of Columbine. Of the oh, Columbine yes, shooters yes. and other mothers who have birthed, you know, to the yes. rest of society, monsters mm-hmm. who have done her- horrific things, and how do they survive that? Yeah. And how do they continue on? Yeah. You know, and you've created a mother who, well, all the characters in this are really sympathetic, and and you know, it's like you love your kid and you want them you to want the do well, and you want yeah, and it's like it's hard to kill them, like you were saying with yeah. um, her training Ashley, which is brilliant. That's so great. I can't wait to watch this again with like this insight <laughs> now, you know. Um, so yeah, I just um, yeah, I don't know if, if if that was something you were thinking of in the sense of like mother oh yeah son relationship or mother child relationship. Oh, absolutely. I think about that all the time. I was like, that's the, one of the scariest things to me is it's like what you know those mothers of kids who you know grow up whether they're do they end up doing these horrific things like if you watch the the Ted Bundy you know confession oh. tapes on. Mm-hmm on uh, Netflix and like his mother just in denial and denial and denial. And then he finally admits it. And then all of a sudden she's like, Oh my God. Like, I, I can't imagine what that must be like, or even with, with something like Columbine, like I can't, I cannot begin to comprehend what that must be like as a parent to have yeah. that happen. And it's super scary to me. That's one of the scariest things about like having kids is to me. Cause I was like, what if your kid ends up a serial killer? Um, but again, that brings in the question of nature versus nurture again. Yeah. And, um, it's like, is, can you prevent that? Like, what do you, what do you do? Is it in your DNA? Like, are you born that? Like, it's, it's so, there's so many questions, just things we don't know. That's why I love yeah. Mindhunter. I think that's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated about that. And the science that's always coming out about it. But yes, those are all things we like talked about. And I ended up having really in-depth conversations with the cast about all that. So we just, you just really get into it because you're, you know, playing these roles. You really dive deep and yeah. dig in. Um, it's intense. It's intense to have those. Well, yeah, we live. Yeah, and we live in a society where it's very easy to dismiss the father. You know, mm-hmm. like because a lot of people, yep. a lot of us have grown up without them. Um, uh, you know, that's such a typical story. You know, so we place a lot of blame and a lot of responsibility on the mother to get it right. And if she doesn't, anything her child does that's wrong or it's like, what did what did you do? Mm-hmm. You know, we oh, yeah, we yeah. place so much of that blame on women. You know, yeah. in society in general, to caretake, to take care of men. You know, monstrous men to yeah. you know do all of this difficult to want lifting. to be mothers in the first exactly. place. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God yes. forbid. You know, you God know. forbid a woman. <laughs> doesn't want to do that and uh, wants, yeah. to be, uh, wants to be just a regular person and you know yeah. so yeah so like you know to your point it's just like there's so much there's so much narrative and it, I mean it could be just a function of cishet patriarchy but like the idea of like women being <laughs> maybe you know maybe, maybe, maybe you know the of women being a nurturing and being motherly figures to the point where it's like when you have when you have motherhood or mothers portrayed in horror it's like it's either you it's either they love them too much mm-hmm. or they love them not enough. not enough yeah or but I feel like there's every, no balance there's no balance <laughs> no. it's just like there's nothing there's no or it's benign neglect and it, you know it's, it's Nancy's mom outside, you know, yeah. just like, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I think one of the, one of the bigger conversations we had was, um, about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. oh, his and having read mess. like my friend Dahmer and, and oh, you know, the so movies, good. yeah, the, the graphic novel is amazing. Yeah. The movie's great. Incredible. Um, 
but that's someone where I, I believe that like, just, just from, you know, knowing about his like really early childhood, if, if it's like someone would have given a shit about him, if he wouldn't have been abandoned by basically both his parents, if, if someone would have paid attention to what was going on and given a shit about him, I think that maybe his, his life could have been different. I think maybe things would have been different for him, but um, but maybe not. But maybe not. <laughs> you don't know. Because it's like maybe yeah. there couldn't have, you know, but and and in terms of like therapy and things like that back then, it's just like maybe it, it's just it's you you just wish that maybe something would have been different. It's like, yeah. of course, a bunch of lives would have been saved, but also his life, like, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. There's so much boys will be boys, you know. It's yeah. normal for boys to be violent. Well, how violent is too violent? <laughs> Or just, or in such, parents in such denial about it too, Mm -hmm. of just like, oh, something's off, but I'm just going to pretend that it's not, because it's it's a lot to handle. It's a lot to comprehend. So. And they had their own, I mean, his mother just had a lot of stuff going on and she was wrapped up in herself. And mental health issues. And it's just, it's a lot of. the father's exhausted by that, so. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff that now, you know, how we're, is very different than back then. Like, we're actually having conversations about it, where back then it like wasn't talked about. Yeah. So, um. But it's, it's, you know, hope for sort of future generations that that is something that is paid attention to for serial killers around that something, maybe something can be done about it at a time. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, so let's talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it has the ending that I was really bracing myself for Get Out to have. Uh, uh-huh. You know, like I remember watching yeah. it, I'm like, oh. I know exactly where this is going and then it Mm -hmm. didn't but and I was really not I wasn't anticipating the end like sometimes you know you watch a movie and you're waiting to see what happens but I just took this in as it went I'm like I'm not going to make any guesses about what I think is going to happen but then at the end you know it was like it's so heartbreaking it's bleak you know again which maybe goes right back to your um Night of the Living Dead, you know? Yeah. Maybe you've just pulled in. It's like, you yep. know, because he does, he does, he saves so he's working so hard and then to be gunned down by the police, it's just, oh it's my so God, heartbreaking. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so here, so about, so yeah, just chat about yeah, that. Yeah. So, bit. so <laughs> the ending, it's interesting because the ending, um, there's, there's actually, that's the other thing I, I was like trying to think of the other thing we cut. There was more in that montage and the voiceover, there was more in there that we cut because we're like, we don't, we, we sort of want people to anticipate that um, of him coming out of the goo. But if they don't, that's that's fine too. But we had like, there was Samantha like dragging a body bag like mm. to the tank. And so, so there were more breadcrumbs of what was to come. And we're like, you know what? Let's just jump right to it. Um, there was, it was all, that was always the ending. Like what you see of him, him coming out of the goo. There was also a discussion discussion though it was never in the script never acted upon of ashley being the one to come out of the goo oh that she decides and she's like i'm gonna clone but but that doesn't work because then there's two in existence because so her so basically her getting what's not in the script and if there was a world where it didn't become part of the into into the dark and it had a sequel of ashley gets taken away by the police but she never makes it to the police station she ends up escaping and she goes out to find out who she was and oh. then ends up enacting her, taking on her revenge with um, Samantha and uh, Israel's characters. So um, that's Whoa. obviously not, that's what the sequel would have been. That yeah. she goes, learns about who she is, and goes to, to take them out. Um, but so there was talk of like, does she come out of the goo? But that would have been different if it's if she got killed again and maybe Samantha's like, maybe I'll just give her a second Maybe chance. I'll have a daughter this time. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And but so, her being caught at the end, but especially because you know she's like a criminal, she's wanted. Mm-hmm. It just was so like, no, she's suffered so much. She suffered so much. <laughs> and it, 
and then her t- getting, you know, basically framed for everything because of course it's like are they going to yeah. believe this right. white woman right <laughs> exactly just, like, this very rich, rich white yeah. woman a, very important like, famous in this yeah. community yeah yeah, yeah. So, and she's a known criminal like it, it I, a known criminal yes exactly yeah. the, when she starts like when they meet up the confrontation in the lab with a hammer mm-hmm. and she's like well you know you were you were an awful person like you were yeah. this that, and the other and I'm giving you a second chance I'm I'm helping you just like gaslighting her in a very weird yep. way oh yeah and then you have like that to me I was like if it wasn't for that I would not have I would have just thought oh she's caught for sure but you know that's also me like thinking that you know justice exists <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like and, and then if that moment it's like oh yeah she's gonna go down for that murder she's gonna go down for Marissa yeah like it's gonna be it, I mean they'll have to deal with the fact that she doesn't have a tattoo I mean we'll figure that out like but you know she yeah, could've, yeah but, but, the reality, but she's like, been but, gone for yeah, long yeah. enough that like you know she could have had it removed as a way exactly. to exactly that's yeah. the and yeah it's all there yeah and the um, uh, uh, the other thing with uh, Ashley, oh my God, there was what was the other point I was going to make? Talking about the tattoo, uh, my brain just like freaked <laughs> out. Um, uh, her escape, oh, sorry, uh, brain fart. Uh, the tattoo, shit. I can't remember what my other point was going to make about that, exactly to what you were saying. Um, <laughs> It'll come back to you around 2 a.m. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll just like, oh! bing, that. Um, oh, oh, that's the other thing. We did have a... Um, uh, this isn't, see, now I'm thinking of all the things that didn't make it in the movie. We actually had video surveillance footage of Ashley robbing a grocery store with Tommy, who's in the car with her, Uh and she she pistol whips somebody. Mm -hmm. And, um, you see that on camera and that's, she's in the same outfit as, as when you meet her. Mm. So as, as Trashley. So, so basically she had, they had just come from that robbery and when they get, she gets kicked out of the car. So it shows that she just committed that crime oh, wow. when they, when her and Spencer meet. So that's something that didn't, cause I'm like, well, it, it's not, again, you don't have to speed spoon feed the audience. You see that it's told through, um, the, we have the wanted posters. Samantha talks about it. We're like, oh, we don't need to have all of this in here. But that was something else that we had in there. But just, just when you're editing, it's amazing that, cause that's when your movie really comes together. So it's yeah. pretty, uh, in terms of how he told the story, we're like, you know what? We don't have to, don't, don't tell everybody everything. Let's yeah. tease it out a little more. Yeah, no, you did a, f- a fantastic job with it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great entry. It's so interesting. Cause I just figured that those were like scripts that they write and then they find directors for them. So it's so interesting how yours became part mine's, of it. Cause it was done. It mine's was, the only one. Mine's the only yeah. one like that. All the rest are sort of, you know, they find the, their writer director combos or, or their um, stuff that they developed. And mine's yeah. the one. And it's perfect. definitely tonally different from some of the other interdarks too, just because it's like you, you got you got the chance to have it basically written and like you got to work with those like there was yes. a lot of intimacy there and yeah. it's yeah. not just like a pairing that happens after the yeah. fact like there's there's definitely an intimacy in the whole thing and you know it, it's it has like what five people in the cast like it's yeah. just it's yeah super it feels like a work. like a twilight zone or an alfred exactly. hitchcock presents like it, yeah. it has that feel yeah. you know, and it's a hundred percent my movie like yeah. i there you know the producers were you know let just let me have at it so it's so amazing you're pretty hands off yeah I was very lucky and I had a great crew and I mean 15 days is not easy and shooting in California was awesome like getting to shoot in LA and sleep in my own bed was wonderful five day weeks were great it was shot in 15 days 15 days yeah is the house that they're in in Santa Clarita (laughs) 
Uh, it is in Acton. Yes, it's part. Of, yeah, it's near Santa Clarita. Okay. It's, it's uh, whose house was that? It was the design of it was incredible. The furniture and all. I'm like, I love this place. Yeah. So, so all that's brought in. <laughs> okay. We took everything okay. out, and well, honestly, we, we Frankenstein'd some things. So there's multiple houses okay. within. Well, that ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So movie magic happening. Yeah, that um, makes sense. It's not like it's Joss Whedon's house in uh, <laughs> in uh, Much Ado About Nothing, right? Not like, quite. Yeah. Not quite. <laughs> though, though, um, they had never had a film crew before, and I don't know if they ever will after. Like the homeowners, like just. But it, we needed a very specific look. My my mm-hmm. model for it. Another big. Um, influence was Ex Machina was a yeah. huge oh, reference yeah. for the movie. Yeah, oh, very which is like half the film is about the house. Exactly, yeah. and we yeah. wanted that. Like, I wanted something super modern, and like we had a very specific look. But that does not exist in California on our budget. We just could not find something yeah. that was in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere it doesn't exist in LA. It's really hard yeah. to find, and it's that house specifically. But that exterior, when we found that mm-hmm. in Acton, we used and a lot of the interiors are that same house. I was like, this is it. And we wanted something that was lush and a lot of life around it. And I was like, you know what? I talked with the writers. I'm like, what if we flip it? What if we make it a desert landscape, make it nothing around? So there's, so then there's death everywhere. And Marissa's the bit of light, like her house was in Woodland Hills, um, where we shot that, that, but, um, yeah. And it's just, it's tricky in, in LA and the, in the production, we, you know, there's always problems here and there, but, um, Satanic Panic was like, and I did Satanic Panic four months after all that we just, no wait, uh, September, September was when he shot mm-hmm. Satanic Panic or October into November also of 2018. So wow. shooting them back to back and then posting them back to back or kind of at the same time. She is them. It was booked, insane. busy and she blessed girl. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I was, uh, yeah. And couldn't, it couldn't yeah. be more different, more opposite of all the way to Well, but. again, another perfect transition. Um, but <laughs> before, is there any, is there anything else that you want to say about the movie that we didn't get to or, or, or that, you know, um, we did, I mean, did we, we pretty much covered it. I mean, I talked about the music, also the score. I, I had the composer actually Umberto. before the movie. Yeah. I yes. had him before the movie was, even ready oh, to make. Cool. Um, I've been a huge fan of his his work. I first knew of him way back in the day. I think Beyond Fest put on a live score for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it was done by him. And they and that's when they got in like in trouble because they didn't have permission or something like that, uh, something weird. But his score, and I have it on vinyl, and it's like they had to stop selling it because they didn't have the it was a weird rights thing. But I loved his work ever since then. And I just happened to meet a friend who I had mentioned something about Umberto. And they're like, oh, he's a friend of mine. He just scored my like short <gasps> film. I was like, what? Can you introduce me? <laughs> and he was so – and so he had – I had sent him a ton of references and um, told him like exactly what I wanted. And he – was already sending me samples and stuff before we even shot the movie. Oh, cool. And so when it finally came time for him to score, then it was a very, then it was all moving quickly and doing sound design and color and all that stuff. And, um, but he's, I had him from the beginning and hopefully we get a soundtrack released. So yes. We'll see. Um, and my DP I've known since college. He also shot my second movie. Um, and he was wonderful to, to work with. And I, my, the hair and makeup folks are the folks that do all my, Short, I have done all my short films, so it was so nice to be able to have like I, your film family. Yeah, that's I did all awesome. these short films. You're Gary Marshall. Yeah. You're the horror Gary Marshall. <laughs> that's so lucky, you know, that yeah. they didn't just give. Here's the people you got to work with. Figure it out. You know, whether you yeah. had relationships, you had, you know. Yeah, which we, that's which so cool, which I did have for Satanic Panic, like that. We shot that in Dallas, Texas. I had, you know, their crew. Basically, I got to bring my DP, but otherwise, it was all their folks, which were. Um, you know, I was nervous because I was like coming from LA and of course, like all the people we worked with were awesome. And I was very lucky because you just never know. And 
you know, it's like... And you're the captain. You have to steer yeah. the ship. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that, and that was a tough, tough shoot. That was only 18 days, six day weeks, wow. torrential downpour, cold weather. But it's like, you know, that's stuff you can't control. You, you can't make, control yeah, the weather. You work it out. You just go with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just that. That's that. <laughs> I was just saying one more thing. I, I watch everything with closed captions because I just, oh, yeah. I process reading way faster mm-hmm. than like listening. It just makes it easier. But I like the captions for the music because <laughs> they oh put them in, you know, oh, it's like sentimental music plays. <laughs> Intense music. <laughs> it's just these funny descriptions. That. Ominous like hugging. Like, yeah. like right at the end, like we're, or not right at the end, but near the end where the mother and the son, they hug and yeah. they decide they've, they've worked out their plans. Like sentimental music. Oh, stop. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's hysterical. But I love I love those kinds of uh, things. So, and, well, congrats on this film. It is, it's a lot of fun. Oh, and it you. does stand out against the other um, Into the Dark as something very uh, unique on its own, which yeah. now we know why. Make it a part of your... <laughs> Or uh, Mother's Day viewing, listeners. Yes, yes please. Definitely. We'll, it's, we'll, we'll remind watch with people your mom. again in May. <laughs> would it's, you do that for me, Mom? Um, <laughs> or watch it with your children and be like, I would do this for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. True so love. Before we, before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about Satanic Panic because mm-hmm. it will be out uh, this Friday, yep. September 6th. So exciting. And uh, just, yeah, tell us what you can, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so uh, Satanic Panic, it's a script I had read um, probably a year before I got the opportunity to direct it. I was like, oh, this script is awesome. Cut to months and months later, it gets to my reps. They say, you know, they send it to me. I was like, oh, I've read this because I love Grady Hendrix. Like, as you see over there, there's a stack of Grady Hendrix novels. Um because uh, he's uh, such an incredible writer. And I knew Ted Gagan's work. He did the story with Grady. Um and I, I was like, I want to do this. Like, what will it take? And I think uh, Fangoria had reached out to Blumhouse because they knew I had done my first movie with them. Um, but I think they had asked them, like, who would be good to direct this? And Ryan Turk said, Chelsea Stardust. So, which was amazing. <laughs> and they asked to see my movie. So they saw All That We Destroy. And I was the only, like, I had a very clear vision of what I wanted it to be. I was like, my influences are Jennifer's Body, Drag Me to Hell, Evil Dead, both the remake and the original, um, Race with the Devil, House of the Devil, Deathgasm. Yeah, didn't you send them, like, a Bible email? I sent a Bible, yeah, yeah like... I sent this huge, and I was, I was home on vacation with my family, so this was over 4th of July of 2018, um, and I sent a bunch of stills I pulled from... Um, those movies of like, here's what I want the look to be. And I sent them music references and score references. And I was like, this is what I want it to be. My DP had read the script. I said, here's what he wants, wants it to you look like. You made it very hard for them to like choose yes. anybody else. Yes. And <laughs> like, I said, this is already shot. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. done. <laughs> and I said, I, I worked in comedy. I worked for Judd Apatow. I worked for Jason Blum. Like I've literally done, like been on sets for major comedies and major horror movies. <sighs> And I I, we talk about that the relationships else. with comedy and horror because it's timing. Yeah, it's all know? about timing. Yeah, yeah. You can time a laugh. You can time a scare. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, and they and I, you know, I said I've watched people like James Wan work. I've watched you know Ty West. I've watched uh, uh, um, uh, Adam Robitaille because I had just done uh, the Insidious movie. So, um, I said I've seen these directors work and uh and then I got I literally it happened so quick like I came back from vacation they said I had the job and I was casting like immediately and then went to Dallas Texas to start prepping shot it October into November and then drove back and we were editing I think we were picture locked by March and we premiered so all that we destroy premiered May 1st 2019 and then Satanic Panic premiered at Overlook 
I think it was like May 30th or something. Oh, wow. So at the end of, yeah, it was fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they couldn't be more different. Obviously, Satanic Panic's batshit crazy horror comedy. It's it's a homage to Jennifer's Body. I, I don't know if I listed that one, but it's a huge homage to that because I'm like, I want to do something that like teenagers will rent and watch in their living room at a slumber party. And I would love, you know, like young women to watch it and be like, oh shit, this is directed by a woman. I could do this. Like I could maybe direct a movie that's like awesome. this. You made the movie that you needed when you were that age. Exactly. Oh, that, that's yeah, exactly that's so it. cool. And so I don't, did we say what the synopsis was? What oh, no. the basic, uh, yeah, the plot. basic, yeah, the rundown is it's the story. And the of, ending. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Uh, it involves an orgy. Um, it's the story of, uh, I'd see that at a slumber party. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, of this pizza delivery girl who it's her first night she's delivering a bunch of pizzas doesn't get any tips and there's an order that comes into uh upscale neighborhood she's like i'll take them because of course they'll tip it's like a hundred dollar bill she does not get a tip and she's pissed about it and she's like you know what i'm i'm i fucking deserve that tip i'm going after it and so she sort of breaks into this home and little does she know she has walked in on a uh satanic gathering where they are sacrificing a virgin to Satan and she just happens to be a virgin and then uh, chaos ensues. So, um, hijinks uh, look, looking for, <laughs> looking for a virgin. I won't say specifically what kind of sacrifice is needed yeah, yet, yeah, yeah. but, um, that's, and that's the, the long and short of it. But, you know, um, one of the things that attracted me about the script is it's the whole coven is run by women. I mean, women are the front front of this movie. Like <sighs> awesome. women are in charge and whether they're evil or not, <laughs> they are, they run the show. And um, all the men sort of come second within the movie. Um, but it was magical to work with Rebecca Romaine, who had never done horror before, but loves it. And Jerry O'Connell, like getting to talk to him about Scream 2 and Piranha and Wes Craven. And, and uh, then you have like sort of... Um, veterans, Jeff Daniel Phillips, A.J. Bowen, Ruby Modine, who I knew from Happy Death Day, and newcomer um, Haley Griffith, which is her first feature. And I saw her self-tape, and I was like, it, this is this is our Sam. She's she's the lead. And for the Pangoria to like, take the chance on a first-timer, because a lot of times people want a name for something. Like, yeah. This is what's tough with um, with directing, is sometimes the producers will say, oh, no, you need to cast like Nicolas Cage or, or right. Scarlett Johansson or whomever yeah. to for foreign sales and yeah. all that stuff. So, you need a Miles Teller. You need a, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's like, but the fact that they were like, yeah, you want to take a chance on her? Okay, we'll let you do that. So it was just huge. Um, well, so maybe amazing, famous, like, A-listers get their start in horror anyway. So you never know who you're going to hire. You never know who you're going to be the first person to give yeah. that break to. And you look at old episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and, like, <laughs> everyone's a fucking movie star yeah. in that yeah. show. Um, and also people who have are great at comedy. Arden, like, Arden Marin is in it. And she's just incredible. And, and Jordan Ladd. That's, there's another uh, horror alum. Um, but I completely lucked out with with my cast and it was a tough shoot um again 18 days most mostly night shoots six day weeks really difficult but um we got to do incredible gore effects like some things that you just haven't seen on screen before it's all practical right Bangoria is dedicated to practical that's their jam um wolfman of mars is doing the score which i'm i was so excited about we got um a chelsea wolf song in it, which I really was like fighting for. There's there's an homage to Creep Show. There's some animation in there. Cool. Um, oh, I'm so. Excited. So it's, it's literally just my love letter to so many things I grew up with and that I love. Um, and it is the thing. I I think there's so many 
movies out there right now that are so depressing and yeah. nihilistic. And because we're in sort of That's a tough time, time yeah. politically. So <laughs> it's sort of like an outlet, cathartic outlet for people. But for me, I wanted to make Satanic Panic have this campiness, which I think campiness gets like a really bad rap. I think mm-hmm. there's some great camp out there that, oh, yeah. that you know, people seem to think of it as a dirty word. But I want, I want this movie to be, I wanted people to enjoy it for just a moment, to have yeah. fun watching that something escapism. and forget about, yes, and to forget about all the bullshit going on and have that escapism and something that we had so much fun making. And I hope that like comes through. When people watch it, like I had fun making it, and I hope people have fun watching it. And it's it's batshit crazy, it's insane. Um, and I had so so much fun working with the actors and putting. And then also, I there was weird crossovers. Like my editor, you know, was one of Judd Apatow's editors. So I I picked a comedy editor. I said, you know what, let's let's I re, you know reached out, and he does like fucking you know he just cuts skyscraper and Central Intelligence. Like he cuts huge blockbuster movies and. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll edit this for you. I loved work. I loved hanging out with you when you worked for Judd. Yeah. So there's like these things that are sort of the editors, Mike Sale, and these things that sort of come back full circle that I was sort of embracing. Um, That's so awesome. And we've been doing the festival circuit like crazy. We still have a ton more to go. We just did Fantasia recently, which it's slayed there, and and Fright Fest, and then obviously it comes out this Friday, September sixth. But September sixth is also when. It Chapter 2 comes out, so just please remember the, the smaller independent horror movies out there. Like, if you'll have horror on the brain, please do make it a double feature or go home yeah. and rent it on VOD. Halloween starts September 1st for me, yeah. so let's do yeah. all the horror. See it on digital HD. Like, remember <laughs> yeah. the littler movies, the, you know, the alternate yeah. programming happening. Yeah. Go um, do your midnight It, yes. and then, like, when you wake up at, like, noon the next day, you know, stream pop this. Into, yes. Pop into this. Yeah, yeah, pop in this and stream it, because <laughs> yeah, it's going to have It's going to be yeah. both. Like, it'll yeah, be and it's in day some... and date, so yeah, okay. it'll be theatrical. It's like 25 cities and VOD digital HD. Um, and then the Blu-ray will be out, I think, sometime in October. Um, and we're also working on other fun things for the movie that will cool. be uh, uh, coming out too. And um, yeah, but I'm I'm so you happy us, with it. You send us anything. We'll, be, we'll yes, pop it out. Yes. We're going to tell everybody about it. It's but I'm really excited very, yeah. for everyone to see it. So. Well, congrats. It's so awesome. It's 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 so cool to, you know, see Ohio girl make good you know, <laughs> woman for directed. <laughs> trying. Trying. <laughs> Just trying to matter. Uh, all right. Well, um, where can people find you on the Twitters and on the yes. Instagrams and all of the social um, needs? <laughs> my Facebook is completely private. Do not, I will not accept anyone I haven't met, so don't okay. even try it. Um, but my Instagram is uh, at Chelsea Stardust, and my Twitter is at Stardust Chelsea. Um, and feel free to follow me on that. I'm, you know, happy to, and, and that's the other thing is like, let me know what you think of the movie on social media. Like, please tell me, please, uh, reach out. Um, uh, I always love seeing, cause this horror, the horror genre thrives on its fans without yeah. the fans we, as directors, we would be nothing. So, um, interacting with them is, is really important to me and reaching out to the audience. So. Awesome. Well, I think you definitely made uh, a lot more fans today, and we adore you. So, uh, thank, thank you. you so much, and uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Thank you for taking the time to to chat with us, and uh, we look forward to having you on on again. So, yes. I love Fright School. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Well, good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Uh...